Hey, dear listeners, I would like to thank our presenting sponsor, State Farm, for supporting Unqualified. Friends don't have answers to your insurance questions, but luckily, State Farm agents do. And with plenty of insurance options to choose from, agents are there to help you at any stage of life. Check out statefarm.com to find an agent in your neighborhood. State Farm. Talk to an agent today. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Unqualified with your host, Anna Ferris. Sam, Aaron, thank you so much for being here. I was literally here. about you, to crunch totally a chip, the chip over the, the, the introduction chip. Eat the chip. of... Hey, dear listeners, I am here with Sam Taylor Johnson. Do you prefer to be called Sam? Mm-hmm. Unless you're my mother, then you can call me Samantha. What if I am? <laughs> Amazing. And I'm also here with Aaron Taylor Johnson, her husband. And you guys have been doing some junkets, right? A couple here and there. It's a small mm-hmm. movie. All right. Doing as much as we can. Here's mm-hmm. what I want to do. If you guys are open to it. Uh-huh. We're open. We're here. All right. There's a character that I sometimes play. Mm-hmm. Her name is Beige. She is a junket slash red carpet interviewer. Oh, Uh fun. Yeah. All right. All right. We'll find out, Sam. Let's find out. So you guys are on your 24th interview of the day Mm -hmm. in a hotel room. I did 70 once. Damn, Sam. All right. Let's say we're on number 43. There we go. That's better. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. My eyes so, are bleeding. My uh huh. And yeah. was that a little Fifty Shades? It might have been. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna come in. Okay. As beige. All right. Oh, this is fun. You say that now? No, I'm ready. No, we do. <laughs> Aaron's. Aaron, looking. come on. Does, Aaron, it, does you, beige you, have Aaron, a different? You look just, defensive right now. Your <laughs> arms are crossed I'm around just, you. Uh, You're getting like nervous. <laughs> I'm just wondering what what, the, <laughs> what, what beige sounds like. Don't you know, are you going to do a whole don't character? Is there a whole don't thing? Don't you worry. Okay, cool. Of course there is. Who are we playing, though? That's what you're, I'm wondering. No, we're us. Yeah. Oh, we're still yeah, us. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I know. Marina, who we got next? When's lunch? <laughs> we have beige. You have 15 more until lunch. Uh-oh. 15 more. Okay, but quick. I'm so tired. Hey, are they ready? Are they ready? Oh, here comes beige. They're ready. They're ready. They're ready. Thank you so much. Oh, hi. Oh, hi, beige. Beige,
That's always the giveaway that someone hasn't seen the movie. You, so you uh-huh. have to really go, wow, right. this, yeah. this movie is right about... It, it's about discovery, right? It's about discovery on a journey. Sure. And hope and light. Oh, it's like an exploration of the soul. That's it. You did see the movie. I did. I did. And you have two, three, four children or something like that? Yeah, we have four. We have four uh-huh. girls. Oh, my gosh. All That's girls. amazing. Four is an unlucky number. Did you know that? <laughs> oh, you have to have more. Um, okay, so now um, tell us about your roles in the movie itself. Well, I directed it, so that's my role. Yeah, I play uh, James Fry, whose uh, story is ab- about him, a young addict who has to go to a treatment center and find the road to redemption and, and find hope and comes together through this sort of community and, of support and love. And Aaron, Aaron, <laughs> what was crazy when you just answered that is that you couldn't even look in my direction. You were just looking off. I know, I'm trying not. You went to not, a I'm, dark place I'm, that I'm, is fascinating. Did you do I'm that throughout the not whole movie? Right <laughs> That's why you are going to win an Oscar. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, do you sense. want an Oscar? Do, do I want one? Sure. Do you want one? Do you know what? It's one of those weird questions which I think sort of throw people. I mean, I, I'd stay up at night and watch the Oscars and, and sure. Golden Globes and things like that. And yeah, that must have been very late in the UK. <laughs> yeah, no, I'd, I'd stay up through the night because yeah, sure. it was a different time. Sure. And then I think, <laughs> I think what, what's really great is when you watch, like when you've seen a lot of your actors that you, you grew up watching and loving, sure. like, Christian Bale and Gary oh. Oldman and people like that. And of course. Daniel oh. Day-Lewis. Picking Aren't up they awards. just the best? All of them. <laughs> They're so good. They really are. I mean, the way they do that whole thing. That's and like look right. at you and then say some other line and it's just so crazy. It is. I know. <laughs> they deserve know. it. It's so true. They all do. Everybody. Everyone deserves recognition. That's true. Honestly, I think the Oscar thing is just like it's a weird entrapment of your mind of what you yeah so it would be sort of would you say that your you mind feel? is trapped in general <laughs> <laughs> yeah do you, right live, now, I do feel you live in a small space <laughs> yeah confined Streaming. between the bones of your skull yeah smaller even oh that's fascinating <laughs> yeah and do you find that acting enables you to sort of expand and you get to like live inside somebody else's body right yeah exactly oh gosh yeah. if only i could do gives that gives me a break oh that'd be yeah. incredible that yeah. would be incredible get to be someone else yeah and now sam may i turn the camera towards you now what is it like to be like hey i'm the boss around here <laughs> that must be fun yeah it's more a collaboration and the only difference is, is that I have to come up with the answers to the questions. Now, as a woman, mm-hmm. do you find if you have a demand, like, I want an egg white omelette, that people are like, oh, she's a woman. Yeah, she's so picky. She's yeah. so aggressive. Yeah. She's so annoying. Oh. Yeah. I get that. I don't, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what happens to you? Which bit? That people call you high maintenance. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, it would be terrible if people ever did call me high maintenance because I think I'm pretty low maintenance. I don't know, you wanted the chips and guac. <laughs> I did want the chips and guac, and I'm like, I know, I'm so glad. 
I'm sorry, you guys, that I immediately subjected you to beige. That's okay. It's quite exhausting, beige. I know. Isn't she awful? <laughs> can we let her She's out? The fucking worst. <laughs> I know. Can yeah, we Marina, can we get rid of beige now, please? <laughs> oh, you guys, thank but, you but so You know much. what's so awful about beige? I've met so many. So, yeah, there's, that's beige. That's many, yeah. I, I've met many, many people where I'm like, oh, help, someone help me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know she is. Would you guys be able to sail around the world together alone? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, you guys didn't even consider this. No. You just immediately answered well, that yes. That just sounds like, like a really nice thing it does. to do. It's like, ready, let's do it. I'm happy. You've got a, let's say, a 32-foot sailboat. Mm-hmm. It's used. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of well-stocked. And you just start sailing west. And you're yeah. going to go through the Panama Canal. And then you're going to go around the... Horn of South America? Yeah. Could you guys do that? I could. I could, yeah. Yeah. I mean, as long as the crew's sailing the boat. No, it's just you two. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, yeah if we have some training, figure it out. You gotta learn your... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah. I'm not going sailing with you guys. We could do you it. You are so unconvincing. We could do <laughs> Look it. At you guys. So easy. I could sail around the world with Aaron for a year. Easy peasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, likewise. Like, Are you going to yeah. leave your children with me? Sure, you seem capable. <laughs> oh, I totally am. Oh, with beige. Oh, with beige. Yeah. I do want to talk about your movie. Did you guys fight a lot? No. No. Sorry. <laughs> Come on, make up something. <laughs> no, I was thinking the thing. If you, it's your story. I'm gonna... Sharpen the finger. No. <laughs> well, I was thinking about the uh, the the. Uh, the oh, uh, the I know what it is. I know. Day. There's a scene in the movie which we wrote together. And it's a really tender and very beautiful scene between James and Lily, who are falling in love. They're in a small, confined cabin. There's no dialogue, so where the two of them are getting more and more intimate and close, and they start showing each other the drugs that they used to take without saying anything. And it starts out a bit shocking, and then it becomes beautiful how they're they're explaining to each other their trauma and then it becomes really sad and then they become incredibly intimate they start making out and I did turn to my first AD and I was like as I'm watching this and I'm super professional and I'm watching James and Lily not Aaron and then I suddenly flipped out of the story and then I just turned to my first AD and I was like really you had to schedule this on fucking Valentine's Day Oh, and I'm having to watch this on fucking Valentine's Day. <laughs> and they're like, no, 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 it's all good. He was like, is it a problem? And I was like, no, it's fine. I'm completely professional. Yeah, but then the very next morning, uh, Sam got her own back because first thing up was me and Giovanni bollock naked in a shower having a fight. So. Yeah, so I was like, okay, revenge is a dish. Sam's like, I'm going to do a wide shot of both of you. Naked. Completely naked. bollock naked. Go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, though. 
as performers, there is always that thing. It is incredibly unromantic to be in a scene, but then there is that undercurrent of intensity that you have to have. And if people could see that there's like 50 mm-hmm. people watching and you're worried that your breath smells or you're worried that it's not a flattering angle. So it's loaded, but in different reasons, I think that an audience might recognize. And hopefully the idea is usually that it's romantic, but, mm-hmm. but it was funny, but it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> what was your favorite scene that you guys shot? Do you have one collectively? I mean, I really enjoyed doing the, uh, the shit corridor which is when it's very early on in the beginning when James enters the rehab, the facility, and he starts to walk down the corridor and suddenly starts to see shit, shit, sewage dripping down the walls and then he can't quite control how he feels and he doesn't really want to go. I mean, it sort of came from a world of, like, darkness and feeling absolutely frightened to go do this next challenge in front of him and Sam wanted me to start sort of slip and sliding and start dancing in the ship because he starts to realize you go oh wait but this is actually I know what this is this is this is what I'm used to this is the darkness this is the shit this is the sewage this is the dark hole that I'm actually feel comfortable in and so he starts to sort of jump around and dance around in it and then he sort of slides his way into the facility the way we had to make it was just kind of mad because we shot this movie in 20 days. We had shoestring budget. We had to just get it in one take because once we covered the floors, we couldn't then clean it up and set it up for another round. And we just didn't have time to, so we just had to just keep moving on. Yeah. What was written down would initially have been what would have been budgeted for special effects. But our movie just didn't have any money for special effects. So when we did have certain things like this, very abstract, creative, artistic scenes throughout the movie, they had to be done for real. And the art department kind of had to come up with Sam, you know, an idea to somehow... Create shit. ...pump this stuff and have it drip down the walls and, you know, what's the right consistency and all this and that. And I think things like that for our movie just brought us all as a crew and closer together in creating this artistic adventure to making it sort of all happen. I like a short shoot schedule. I Uh like it because it makes me feel like, okay, this is when I have to show up and fucking arrive. And it's exciting for me. Firstly, if I turn up, I want to turn up fully prepared and I want to have done my extensive research in whatever that character is so that when I do step on, that I can actually throw that away and not have a planned idea or a thought of how I think I should play this. Because whenever I have done that in the past or whenever I've seen that in other actors, there's no magic and spark anymore. You miss sort of the imperfections. You miss the spontaneity that makes that magic in a scene. And also my job is to create and help uh, facilitate that filmmaker's vision that director's vision so there will be times where I'll do takes and I think I could improve on and do better and if I have time you know I'd love to do another one I feel like everyone has that but I also feel like if the filmmaker says we got it and we're moving on then I'll put my trust in that filmmaker especially because I try and choose and pick filmmakers that I want to work with and trust their vision so it doesn't matter if it it contradicts what I think 
as long as they feel like they've got what they want, then I have no regrets in making those choices. And ultimately, it's my job to give a variety of choices so that they can play with that in the edit. I didn't really come on with any conceived ideas of how it must be played, it should be played this way. You don't give yourself any breath or room to explore. Uh, and I actually like to experiment. What do you guys do with an actor who's incredibly skilled but doesn't reciprocate? Yeah, I've worked with a few of those, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've worked with some really talented actors that are just so egotistical that they cannot see beyond their sort of own narcissism and be a part of what the scene is, what the narrative or the motivation for the scene is or what best can elevate that scene. And I've also worked with actors who really compete and fight for the moment in the scene. I just think that's what the fuck are you doing? Like, it's what's such a weird energy. But I also feel like when that does happen, it's really a director's responsibility to somehow suss that out quite quickly and try and... Recalibrate it. Yeah. How would you do that? I mean, I haven't really... Never really had it I've on... never... Wait. <laughs> Wait. You might have had it. I think you might have had it on some other job. We didn't have it on a million little no. pieces. We had... we had the complete opposite. We had people charming in together. Yeah, we it. because you know you make a movie in twenty days and something that people come on because they feel passionate about the story. All they want to do is make it work. So when Billy Bob Thornton came on with Aaron, he wanted to collaborate. He wanted to improvise. He wanted to play with things, and it became a really playful and fun environment. And there was no time absolutely zero for anyone to fuck up basically everyone had to be on their game and collaborative in order for each scene to work and within that we also cast and chose very carefully it had to be people who felt really committed to doing this and pulling it off because it was a tough feat to get it done yeah but it's also quite stressful and when i said to people we're making the movie a million little pieces they're like oh the guy that wakes up on the plane and he doesn't know where he's going and, you know, on the other hand, our budget was so small, we couldn't afford a plane. So our producers were saying, well, we have to cut it from the script. And I, we can't cut it from the script. It's one of the most important beginnings of the book, and everyone remembers that way. Well, we can't afford the plane. So we cut it from the script, and we got the money in place for the movie. And then I said to everyone, OK, we're going to wrap early an hour every single night so that we calculated we could afford six seats of an aeroplane in order to shoot that scene so not only were we doing it in 20 days up against it we then wrapped an hour early every night for five nights and saved exactly the amount of money to then pull in that piece of plane for us to film that scene and then when that plane arrived the following week with the money that we all collectively as a film unit had saved everyone was like woo woo and cheering and and then when we shot that scene everyone was so blown it's away and excited and Filmmaking, when it's like that, is just great because you start to become very grateful for every little piece that you can put in of the puzzle. But Sam, what a testament to you to have the support of your whole team being like, okay, we're going to wrap early. Yeah. We're going to make sure that we get this. That is a testament to an incredible leader. Oh, thank you. It was a massive challenge, but I like a challenge. Once I get something like that where I'm told no you can't do it and I know it's important then I'm like I'm gonna do it yeah, and, fuck yeah and by chance James Fry who wrote the book and the story is about him 
That was the day he decided to visit us on set. And so he's in the plane. He's one of the passengers. I read that he visited once. Just once. Was that nerve-wracking for him or for you guys? When I approached him about making the movie of his book, he said, I don't want any money. I don't want any involvement. I just want you to go and be creative and just create what you want. Create art. That was the spirit in which I originally wrote the book. That was the words in my head. And off we went. We wrote the script. And I said, we finished the script. Would you like to read it? And he said, do you want me to read it? I said, no, actually, I think I'll just keep going. And he was generous-spirited. He just let everything really go the way that we wanted it to go. And then he said, I'd love to visit set if you'd like me to come. And is that going to unsettle anyone? And very thoughtful. And he came to set. I think probably for Aaron, it was probably quite trippy having the real person watching you play him. It's an interesting dynamic when you watch... Aaron, as an actor, playing James, sitting in a seat yeah. in front of James. I would have felt intimidated. <laughs> Testament to you, I don't think you were I intimidated. What, I don't know what I was thinking at the time. I don't think I was thinking about it. So, 1997, mm-hmm. the Venice Biennale. Will you tell me what you did there? Yeah, 1997 was probably one of the best and one of the worst years of my life. I'd say the best because I have my daughter, Angelica, who is now 22, and then... I won the Venice Biennale Most Promising Artist Award, which is the big That's thing. That's a big fucking thing. Yeah, and then just as my ego was riding high, I got slapped down with a bit of cancer and had to go through that. So it was a bit of a high and low year. But that was something that was interesting because I just had Angelica and I'd gone for the exhibition and then gone back home and they said, you've won, can you come back and accept the award? And I was like, no, I, can't, I really can't. <laughs> I didn't know I was sick at the time, but I was really fucking tired. And I was like, I can't come back. Just send it. Stick it in the post. Thanks. But now looking back at it, you know, it was a huge honor and I should have flown back and picked it up. What was your piece? It was a piece which was called Atlantic. There were three movie screens that interacted with each other. So it was a couple in a restaurant and you could see them together eating dinner, but not interacting. And it was just kind of about a sad relationship. Lonely, loneliness? Loneliness and sadness. And That's what all like great that. art is, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> Wandering Venice in, in the rain. Isn't that like miraculous, though? Yes. Wandering Venice in the rain. It's like, I know. Oh, it's dizzyingly spectacular. It's a beautiful uh, place to be. When you want to indulge in... <laughs> Romanticism and depression and (laughs) melancholia. Yeah, yeah, they're all linked. Yeah. What question do you guys get asked the most that annoys you? So I guess on this movie, it's definitely been the James Fry controversy about the embellishment. Was there embellishment or or what was embellished? But it doesn't really bother me, the question. Firstly, it's not really the movie that we've we've done, so we're not really addressing the controversy. I mean, we kind of do at the beginning. We have a Mark Twain quote that we put at the beginning of the movie. Ultimately, I don't. What was the quote? I've lived through some terrible things, some of which have happened. What a genius! Right. It seemed like the right quote for the beginning of this movie. It's perfect. Although apparently, when we did test it, a few, there were a few people who really didn't acknowledge the quote and. Still had an issue with James Fry rather than the movie, which is interesting. But the question was, is that what's the sort of most common thing that we get for this movie? And it's just really about the controversy. But uh, to be honest, it never really 
phased me, never really phased us. When we got the rights to the book, we were just so in love with the book and kind of wanted to bring the book to life and the characters within it. When we spent two years writing, adapting this to a screenplay, I, we spent time with James Fry, we went back to the treatment centre he went to, spent time with his family, his brother. Um, quite a lot of it really is, he did a lot of it, he did live through. I mean, the point is he's an addict and who is now 26 years sober today. But we wasn't telling whatever this bigger story is about the controversy or this and that, really. But don't you think that it's frustrating, the self-righteousness in search for whatever truth? He's such a great writer, and he writes in rhythms as well, and it's very dark, light, humorous, sad. And I think he was kind of one of the first people to sort of capture that in a dialogue with himself in that setting and in that inner struggle and pain going from addiction to recovery and the sort of people that you encounter and the so-called misfits that have all been placed into this one facility and especially at that time in 93 it was sort of hushed and talked about you know, it's not like sort of a badge that you know you'd wear on your, your your sleeve the same way as it would be today that would kind of give you some clarification but also like the irony, I guess, of it all is obviously that people who have really, really spent time to work on themselves, you know, are still, well, in his case, there is no sort of, whether he, he did what he did or not, it's sort of, there's no sort of sense of forgiveness or anything, you know? And I think, like, what's beautiful about this character is he's human, like all of us. We've all made terrible mistakes and have to sort of work through those and feel better about ourselves and move on from that. So there's also that sort of an inner empowerment there to sort of be able to hold your head high. And Do you think that we have revisionist history of who we were, how we frame our memory of who we are in conjunction with how other people remember us? Mm -hmm. It's a complicated and, and interesting idea, I think. Well, it's a fine line, yeah, it's a memoir. Yeah. Well, he's a writer, I mean, there's no doubt about that, you know. I think he wanted to create art, and I think, really, this, when he wanted to go publish the book, it was about how much of this was based on true events. If it's above 75 or 80% true, you can sell it as a memoir. That's just of that era and time. He just got caught up in the whole thing of it all. But because it probably, and still does today help a lot of people yes because it's yeah. one of those books that people grabbed yeah. hold of and went i was going through this right and you don't understand this saved my life yeah and my brother was going through this on my sister had my parent so he was someone that everyone gravitated to that book he captured relativity and empathy and all those things and the search yeah. the search for like healing of the loneliness when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's not like one of those sort of Hollywood film stories. Like, I mean, we've turned it into a film, but it's that sort of thing where was there a trauma? Is there a reason why you've, you know taken to drugs and alcohol and the interesting thing is that actually it's not as simple as that it's not an easy film Hollywood out where it's like oh this traumatic event happened therefore he hit the booze and what have you it's like no there's just an inner struggle and fury and pain that is you know it's hard to verbalize and he's an interesting character because he's not the necessary likable character he's reluctant to change He's against the whole AA system. He doesn't feel like he belongs there until slowly he realizes that it's his tribe and his people that understand they're going through the same thing and that actually he's not alone in this feeling. So how did you guys meet? We mm -hmm. met on a movie called Nowhere Boy, which was my first feature-length movie. I'd made a short movie before that. I basically opened the door to John Lennon which was the movie I was making. It'd be strange if it was a movie about someone else and he came as John Lennon, but he came as John Lennon for that movie. And I knew in that moment that he was going to be the actor for the movie. How? Because I'd seen a lot of actors and, and I saw more after seeing him and he was the only one who didn't impersonate Lennon. He came in as an embodiment. So he didn't just put on the Liverpool accent and right. do all of that and... But he actually walked the way that I'd studied, you know, obviously looked at lots of film footage. And Aaron had the walk, the mannerisms, the look, the angle of the head, all of that down already. And I knew he was doing kick-ass and he was in a completely different world. And that was, you know, all-encompassing. So the fact that he had come off that set and straight round for the audition and was already in that headspace without us even working on that character together was impressive and I knew how incredibly talented he was in that moment. I find myself blushing a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the work, mate. <laughs> Go on. Hello. Then what happened? Oh, you're staying at the same hotel as I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going out for a cast dinner. <laughs> <laughs> I proposed exactly a year to the day that we met. I got down on one knee and I proposed to Sam and then I think it was only about three months later she was pregnant with our first daughter no. Wilder. Do you ever have feelings about the whole tradition of the down on one knee thing? I don't even... Um... Sorry, I did, this question was not for you, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> okay, step down. Sorry. Was <laughs> Do I have feelings of when that moment happened, it was the most memorable moment of my life and a complete life changing moment. And so my opinion on that is that it meant everything. Oh. So my opinion is I liked that tradition. At first I didn't know what he was doing. I was like, What are you doing down there? <laughs> but where was it? It was in London and And Aaron was timing it to the minute of when we first met a year before.
Okay, we're now going to do a caller. Okay. And this is Laura. This is real life. I hope we we're actually this is real helpful. Life. Well, know. we'll find out. Okay. I mean, you guys are I'm really going to do in. my best. Hello? Hi, is this Laura? Yeah, hi. Hi, it's Anna. Hi, how are you? I'm here with Sam and Aaron Taylor-Johnson. Thank you so much for doing this. Will you tell us what's going on? I've been dating my boyfriend for a year in December. Uh, we're currently in the process of renovating a house together. Before me, he dated a girl for six years. They lived in this house for five of those years together. They moved into it right after high school. We're from a very, very small town in Canada. Nothing's really private here. I was actually at a party one time for my friends, and we have mutual friends, and they were telling me, oh, she's such a great girl, and she's very bubbly, happy, outgoing. She has a really successful job, all that. So I kind of started feeling like a little bad about myself. Now I just find myself always constantly checking her Instagram, her Facebook, her Twitter. I find myself checking like her sister's Instagram, her family stuff. I'm not sure why I just can't get over this insecurity that I have. I think it's very, very normal. But if you guys are both from the same small town, is she still there? Do you run into her? I've only seen her once I never really knew her before but one time just at a gas station she was walking out and we were walking in it kind of startled me and him and she didn't say anything but I found for the rest of the day I was like I don't look like her and I'm not really like that I'm kind of more like quieter and reserved and the way people talk about her makes it seem like she's just this great girl and I just find myself always comparing myself to the way she dresses. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Laura, so you and your boyfriend have been together for how long? A year? Yeah. So does it ever make you think that he's with you now and that, that like, the idea that you're listening to other people say that his ex-girlfriend was a nice person, I think it's sort of a misconception that your boyfriend's ex needs to be some witch. <laughs> you know, yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean that he doesn't want to be with you. In fact, I think... Didn't you just say that you're renovating the house that they once lived in? I mean, isn't that almost like gifting your... You, you've got this new new home together because you're trying to renovate and actually change that old sort of side of his, his old sort of life, I guess. Trying to shed yeah. that skin. So, And obviously, you know, looking on Instagram is just, like everyone can tell you, it's just unhealthy. <laughs> looking at, you know, scrolling through ex 
even your ex-lovers or what, you know, it's just it sort of goes down a whole different sort of path of, yeah, making you... It can make anyone insecure. Hey, it's Sam, it's Sam. But I think, you know, looking at ex-girlfriend... Instagram, it's, you know, we put up our best life. We can show we're really happy on Instagram, but we might be deeply unhappy, but we want everyone to think we're happy. And you're looking at her and seeing through those glasses of, is she better than me? Because everyone says she's great. It's really about looking in the mirror and just saying, I'm great. I'm great too. I'm different and I'm feeling vulnerable and vulnerable isn't a bad thing. And I need to just maybe talk to my boyfriend that I'm feeling a little vulnerable and we connect on that and then trying to sort of wean yourself off looking at and comparing because comparing just leads to nowhere because you're you and you're he wants to be with you otherwise you wouldn't be renovating this house together and your life is new and fresh together and you don't want to keep looking to his past and trying to sort of compare that to what you have now but when you love someone it just doesn't it's not about anybody else it's about you two isn't it it's about you know it doesn't matter what you look like doesn't matter about age or color or race or whatever you know and it doesn't matter about what's sort of come before or come after as long as you have that connection to one another you know Laura, I empathize with the idea that it may seem like a few people in your community seem to be rooting for your boyfriend's ex-girlfriend. Yeah. Sometimes his parents call me by her name and he did it once. I know it like it's such a common mistake. <laughs> yeah, but it's hard. But it's like, I'm like, oh, did they like her better than me? And then it starts going through my head and A lot of, like, the stories he tells about his past, whether it was at a restaurant or a funny story from when he was a teenager, I know that he's kind of trying to work his way around that she was a part of that. He'll say, oh, I've been to this restaurant, you know, and I know it was with her, and he won't say it. I can totally understand why you feel a little insecure and uneasy. Have you talked to him about this? Yeah, I've brought it up. A few times, if she comes up in conversation or that time we saw her, he seemed kind of weird after. It's so hard to bring it up to him. I know he was in contact with her sister a while ago, just saying she should come see the house and all this. And When the timing is right, I would tell your boyfriend how this makes you feel. I would also not look... I know it's so hard to not look at her Instagrams and stuff like that. Some people do still have uh, relationships with their ex. If you think about people who, who share kids have to still have an amicable sort of relationship and it doesn't mean they necessarily uh, have the same chemistry or connection. And I know there could be a conversation about sharing uh, and I think actually an open conversation in a relationship is the best thing anyway. Honesty is is everything. And when you can have honesty, you have trust and therefore you have a strong relationship. So, you know, you've got to be able to be free to do that anyway. But But I also think you've also got to see the actions. You know, actions speak louder than words. So sometimes the the act of actually making the decision to like kind of, I want to recreate this new home with you I want to renovate with you and make it our new place you know I mean yeah. I'm sure if you had a different financial that you might go we're actually going to go move maybe going to sell that and move but those are the steps you know and 
we can always talk about and, and talk ourselves into those insecurities or maybe his mum and dad don't like me as much as her and all those things. And and also, you know, this restaurant sort of, they had many fond memories in this restaurant. You know, they were together five and a half years. I mean, I'm sure there were good times and there might have been a lot of bad times. But you're in this new relationship and moving forward, you can create new memories and your own, you know, memories in another restaurant or another place or go yeah. create new things in, in, in your relationship. I totally understand, though, why you would be feeling vulnerable. I so get it. Yeah. But I also think that this is a chance for you to suppress your vulnerabilities. Like trusting your boyfriend is with you and broke up with this magical girl for a reason. Yeah. Yeah, he feels safest with you. I think you should trust in that. And fuck all the haters. That's what I said. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She might still be smarting a little bit about the breakup. And maybe some of her friends are too. But what you have to do is attempt to rise above it and just understand that you guys are together. And be honest with him, I, I think, and say, like, this makes me feel insecure. And I love you and help me out on a few of these issues. And if he is resistant, then that's a whole other thing. To tell him these things and tell him, I think, that you've been looking on our Instagram pages and it makes you feel bad and you don't want to maybe do that anymore. Yeah, you might find it quite charming and sweet that you've... You're not trying to erase his past. You're trying to create yeah, your own future. Yeah, yeah, and especially if your community yeah. is surrounded by people that seem to have her back, which they probably don't. Yeah, and he doesn't want you to be her. So, you know, yeah, don't exactly. try and be her. Comparison exactly. is like the killer of all because yeah. it stops us from being ourselves yeah. and we kind of think yeah. oh we're supposed to be this person we're supposed to look like that and we're supposed to do this thing and be successful and blah blah, blah. if you're just being yeah. yourself and being true to who you are then you're you can't help but you know if yeah. you love yourself then you can yeah. love, love others right yeah. that's what they say and that's kind of what it is because you're beating yourself up you can't keep trying to convince you that he loves you more than this other person right because he's showing it he yeah. doesn't necessarily have to say it he's showing it right Oh, so Laura. I think he loves you. I do too. It sounds like you don't feel like you deserve it. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you feel like you're super lucky to have him at this point in your life? Oh, yeah, very much. <laughs> but why don't you allow yourself to deserve him? I don't know. It just feels like you're being very hard on yourself and undeserving of something that you've clearly achieved and won yourself. You obviously earned the love and respect of this guy by not having yeah. to be this other person on Instagram. But it's it's whether or not you can find it in yourself to accept that you deserve that too. You deserve that love and that. Yeah, and I guess why would I want to be so much like her if they didn't work out anyway? Exactly. <laughs> I guess. Because you're that. special too. He wants to be with you. You're the one he wants to be with. Yeah. And the exes are exes for a reason. Yeah. I think the point is being able to proceed forward with your future and feeling happy and confident. And if in a few years from now you don't feel that way, you can make that decision. I would say stop looking at the past and own your future together. Yeah. Look around you. You're doing a house together. He's there for you. And move forward, and when you need his reassurance, talk to him. But yeah. I would just keep looking to the future and stop looking into the past. Yeah. Yeah. There's strength 
in honesty. And you'll be able to get some answers out of his reaction to that honesty. Yeah, and I would say one last thing, that looking back and going in the social media thing disempowers you. And what you really need yeah. is to empower yourself to feel strong and to feel great about yourself. And then, you know, when you feel that, then then you start thinking, yeah, he's, he's lucky to be around me. I'm pretty good. Those images cannot be trusted. No. Don't put too much cred into any of that baloney. But also, don't look at it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Laura, thank you so much for calling. Thanks, Laura. Yeah. Thank you. And please keep in touch. Thank you so much. What's a great British goodbye? Goodbye, farewell, avidas and adieu. Do you, and you, and you, and you, and you. It's more of an Austrian goodbye. I was going to say, I was going to almost interrupt. Do you want cheerio, mate? Yeah, yeah. Is that what you want to say? Mary Poppins, Van Dyke. Yeah. Yeah.